Welcome. 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 You're listening to Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. The Bricks. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Built by Us. It is Taylor and Alyssa here again, and today we're going to talk to you about some policy win updates. Yes, I'm so excited to be back with you, Alyssa, just us again. The summer was a blast, um, but we have been doing so much work together. Um, You all have been integral into some of these policy wins that we have garnered. So we just wanted to check in with y'all to let you know how everything's been going. Exactly. Like Taylor said, we did a lot of work this summer and a lot even since then. And you know, a lot's happened in result of it. And so we just want to kind of tell you what has happened as a result of all of your hard work that you've been doing. So first up, we just want to talk about the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. You may have also heard this called the VRAA. So while we didn't advocate around this very much ourselves, it was only because we already had the federal legislation and thankfully amazing national partners working on it. And so we just want to take the time to congratulate them and all of you who took action around this. The VRAA was actually passed in the House, and it really just takes our voting rights another step forward. And for some quick background, for those of you who may not know why we actually need to strengthen our federal voting rights, it's actually because our original Voting Rights Act from 1965 was gutted through just terrible Supreme Court decisions. And so if you've ever heard us use the phrase the Shelby decision or just talk about the Shelby case in general, that was the case that took away the VRA's strongest power. And in that decision, Justice Roberts essentially said that America no longer experiences racism, well, at least in the same way that we did in the civil rights era. And so the stipulations that existed to make sure that states and localities weren't being racist and specifically prohibiting people of color from voting or having fair representation, those were all discarded. And so we had no one really looking over these processes and holding these states and localities accountable. And we all know what happened next. Um, Because as we all know, racism is alive and well in America. And currently, right now, we're seeing it show itself through voter suppression legislation and tactics around the country, just like it was back then. And this is really just why we need the VRAA. Um, So, you know, just keep fighting for this federal legislation. Keep talking about it, just like we talk about the For the People Act. That's right. Yeah. This issue of pretending that we are past racism, you know, I don't think that many people are taking that tone right now because of all the conversations that we've been having in the past couple of years, but the the Shelby decision was made um, in the early 2000s, back when, you know, being colorblind was cool and, you know, acting like we were beyond all of those struggles um, was more of the was just like more in fashion, what people, what, what people, what white people really thought it feels like. So um, it's, it's not surprising that we are now dealing with the aftermath of no longer having those protections for people of color, Um, which brings us to um, one of our other big policy fights that we had taken to this summer, which was against HB 805, which was called the state legislation called preventing riots and civil disorder. And you all did amazing work with us this summer. This was an anti-protest bill that was written specifically for 
and targeting against the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it had tons of pushback in the legislature and was recently vetoed by the governor. So here's the thing I want y'all to know, this win is only due to the advocacy that we all did together. There had been so many iterations of this bill with sneaky language in there to make it sound good and that it was written solely to just hold bad actors accountable that are at protests. But we all know that that's fake because it was written too vaguely and would leave the interpretation of the law up to the police present at protests. And we know anecdotally and statistically that they would arrest way more black and brown folks just for being there, not for the actual activity of injuring someone or um, causing property damage. But people are more important than property anyway. We already had laws against um, those things. So it's, it was just clear from the get-go that this was just to target black and brown folks. Yeah, y'all fought back really hard against that this summer. You were emailing, you were tweeting at our reps and our senators every step of the way just to make sure that they knew that we value people over property. And also just generally how unnecessary and harsh this law was, considering how we already have well-established laws to deal with injury and property damage at mass gatherings and riots. It just it just seemed really unnecessary and harsh, like I said. And so we came out really strongly against stacking felony charges against our most vocal citizens and ones that would end up in voter disenfranchisement. And that's really important. Y'all kept it up all the way to the governor. And thanks to your advocacy, Governor Cooper actually strongly vetoed this bill just because of what we said together. Um, but, you know, as with any veto decision, the state legislature could hold another vote, of course, to override the veto. And then we would be back at it again, you know, checking in with our representatives and our senators, seeing which way they might fall this time. So we might need your help to keep fighting back against this bill like you have been. And if we do, we'll definitely be letting you know soon. So keep an ear out for that. And similar to how well we did with 805, we have been crushing it with these other anti-voter and anti-democracy bills because there always are others, aren't there, Taylor? <laughs> I just want to like, can you hear the snaps? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there have been so many versions of anti-voter, anti-democracy bills this year. Um, there have been uh, bills restricting voting by mail taking funding away from the state board of elections that they need to run our elections, taking emergency powers away from the state board of elections that have been used to make sure that they can run these elections during natural disasters and pandemics. There have been bills to strip powers away from the governor and the attorney general, um, and not to mention a bill to spend $5 million on a voter ID law that isn't even legally allowed to be in effect right now. You're rolling your eyes, and so am I. And that, folks, is what we call Jim Crow 2.0. Exactly. Um, so this Jim Crow 2.0 list is astounding, right? Um, the legislature is trying for some ridiculous laws, all because they don't want to do their actual jobs. <laughs> they just want to have power. So they're trying to get that by putting up barriers to vote um, and taking power away from other branches of government. Like we have checks and balances for a reason, friends, like stop, stop imbalancing all of our power here. And they're doing that just because they don't like the people in those positions of power right now, which as a side note is incredibly short sighted because 
what are they going to do? Strip power from a position that's filled by a person they don't like right now, but then next year it could be filled by someone they do like and then restore their powers? Like, what? But here's the thing. It's not even about them. Like, it is not about these legislators. They are public servants. They're supposed to act in our interest and not their own. And I'm just sick of them playing games with our lives. So let me calm down. Anyway, the amazing thing is here that we have been fighting all of this off. So much so that some lawmakers thought that since they, these standalone bills weren't flying because of all the advocacy we did, they could smush them together into one bill and try to push it through that way. We said no to that. Then they were like, OK, let's sneak them into the budget. And we're saying no to that right now. And that's working. We've been pushing back on the budget because of that. So even though it's exhausting, it's working. I want you all to keep it up. And honestly, I'm just really proud of us. Me too, especially after what felt like a really long year that would never end. And I'm just really happy of all the work that we've done and all this time to get where we are today. And I can't wait to see where we will be. That's right. There's, I mean, there's plenty more of this year to go. And with the state legislature stuff, you know, they're in session for as long as they want to be this year. So we're just going to keep going. And the, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was rights restoration. This is something that has changed a lot just very recently. Um, so as a reminder, rights restoration is something that happens for um, folks who were formerly incarcerated for felony convictions because um, having a felony conviction takes away your right to vote. Um, and there is a long process for how to get that back once you um, return to society. And so a couple weeks ago, our friends at Forward Justice and the NAACP had a monumental win of restoring voting rights to folks with felony convictions who are no longer serving their time in, the, in their facility. So that meant that once they were released, they could re-register and vote. And that was so exciting because previously our rules had been they have, would have to be released, finish their probation and their parole. And we know that this is a continuation of our racist criminal justice system because We've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, so I recommend you listening back to those episodes, but, you know, things like probation and parole can be drug out just depending on your relationship with your judge. And that's just, you know, that's not fair. That's not equity. That's not equality. And that's not allowing people to be able to vote when they have something to say. So this win um, that happened on August 23rd was amazing and restored rights to 55,000 citizens who deserve to use their voice at the ballot. However, this court decision was appealed last week by these lawmakers who don't think that everyone should have the right to vote, which we expected and our partners were prepared for. But unfortunately, the appeal was granted a stay. So now this win is on hold and we're back to our old rules of um, folks having to finish their sentence, probation and parole before their rights are restored. Now, we're all sad about this because it's not how we thought it would go. Um, so we're going to keep you updated because the original decision had changed so many lives. And we do believe that the original decision will um, prevail. It's just not um, where we are right now. And we do know that during the week that those 55,000 folks were able to re-register, if anyone did, they are allowed to vote because... That would be, I mean, I'm really glad that that's true, right? So there was a week period, August 23rd through September 3rd, 
between these court decisions. So during that time, if any of these returning citizens did register to vote, they are able to vote. Um, we don't know how many people were registered in that time. So we've put in an inquiry to the State Board of Elections to find out, um, to see um, just how many people this affects and, and if there's ways that we can make sure that they are able to use their voice. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what comes of that inquiry, how many yeah. people really did get to register. Yeah, I and it's interesting, you know, I, I don't, I can't imagine because it, you know, you're like, it's probably not that much because it was only a week. But at the same time, as I said, this win was so monumental that there are some groups that um, that do a lot of voter registration that were super hype about it and, you know, went out to, to go meet with those returning citizens to get them re-registered. So it's totally possible that, you know, there's a slew of folks that um, got it done. Absolutely. And I think ending on talking about rights restoration is, is a really good example of, you know, kind of what we're all about here. Um, you know, like clearly we've had some wins lately and that's always something to celebrate each and every one of you that has been doing something to make a difference and to fight back uh, against these bad bills. Like you are making a difference. You're winning, we're winning. Um, but it's just always important to remember that our wins much like what happened in the Shelby decision and in rights restoration are not permanent and our wins and everything that we fight for could be taken away. And so it's really important for us to remember to remain vigilant, to be aware, and most importantly, to just always keep fighting. Just keep fighting. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep up the good fight. Thanks for fighting with us to create a North Carolina that is built by us. And thanks for listening to this podcast made of, by, and for the people. Bye. Bye. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DemocracyNC. Or you can visit our website at democracync.org.